that you guys aren't feeling neglected because we are here to talk about a night of neglect glee season two episode 17 really really excited this is a good episode i you know i i've sort of remembered this episode a lot because of like what happens in it but i don't remember liking it as much as i did before so i'm wondering how you feel how about you uh join me right now uh my lovely co-host matt how are you doing today I'm feeling good. I'd uh, only like to be referred to as Sergeant Handsome going forward. Um, you can be <laughs> either the Pink Dagger or the Honey Badger. You have your pick, but uh, I'm going to jump in with that one. And I liked this episode a lot. Um, I did not remember this episode for some reason. I I don't know why. Like Truly, truly none of it stands out to me as something that I remembered, but I had a lot of fun revisiting it. I just what I, what stuck out to me was the heckling of it all, and then uh, Gwyneth Paltrow singing Adele. That's like what stuck out to me. But other than that, all the other stuff didn't really stand out. But watching it again, I'm like, oh yes, there are certain storylines that I'm completely here for, and just the music in general. I told you, Glee season two just does not disappoint. It just really delivers. I just love this season. Yeah. Um, if you showed me the footage of the uh, Brainiacs Club, whatever they're called, if you showed me that yesterday, I would yeah, have said, oh, gone. I would have said, oh, where's that deleted scene from? Exactly. I forgot all about that. And I guess that was the whole point of their gripe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. Um. So let's, yeah, let's just hop right into it. So we are back in the choir room Will is uh, saying that they need around, what is it, $5,000, was it? Yes. $5,000 to raise uh, for their trip over to regionals, or nationals, rather. I'm not used to them making it to nationals. And so he comes up with the brilliant idea of selling taffy at $0.25 a pop. And he does the math, saying that they need to sell $20,000 pieces of taffy in order to reach their $5,000 goal. And I'm just like, that's ridiculous. But Quinn is going to ask, okay, so what, what happened about, you know, what happened with the money that we got from Sue's budget for the Cheerios? And apparently Sue has been hiding it in some <laughs> offshore accounts in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, the money's gone. Uh, the equation on the board, fun fact from the Glee Wikipedia, is uh, very wrong. And this was like an inside it joke is. amongst the cast. I'm just looking at it right now. I'm like, how? Wait, wait a second. That is not how you do that. <laughs> yeah, no. So it, uh, the equation on the board reads uh, $5,000 $5, times uh, 25 cents. That's what they were going to charge for each taffy. Uh, and the equation says that that equals $20,000. Uh, when in reality, that equation equals out to 1250 So this was apparently some kind of inside joke from the cast about how, I guess, Will Schuster is, you know, has no mathematical knowledge, according to the Wikipedia page. So uh, that is, uh, you know, glad uh, I never would have caught that. Uh, it sounds like you just did, but I wouldn't have been paying attention. Yeah, I was like, I was looking at it. I was like, wait a second, you need 20, you need $5,000, but you're, you're multiplying that by point two. Like, that doesn't make any fucking, s- okay, anyway, <laughs> I, I'm not even a math person, but, um, so yeah, but fact of the matter is they got to sell a shit ton of taffy in order to make it to 
nationals. But the kids aren't really thinking that this is something they can succeed in. They get really defeatist all of a sudden. But then suddenly Mike Chang gets up and he's like, you know what? I can't listen to this complaining. All you guys do is complain, 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 complain. And what about us? And people are like, you know, what, do you, what about you, Mike? And like me, Tina, Brittany, and Artie are all on the Brainiacs team. And we have been begging the school for funding, but you guys are over here complaining about Taffy, but we have literally nothing. And you guys are just so defeatist about this damn Taffy. And he's like, well, they're like, oh, well, when were you guys ever on the Brainiacs? Like, when did you guys tell us about this? Like, we did tell you about this. You just weren't paying attention. And, uh, of course, Will is going to ask the big question. So I can understand Tina, Artie, and Mike Chang being on there. Uh, <laughs> I guess because they're Asian and one of them wears glasses. But, Brittany, what are you doing there? <laughs> um, yeah. And apparently Brittany has a penchant for rare cat diseases. Which, uh, I mean, we're going to eventually, I, I can't believe it's taking this long and we still haven't gotten to some fondue for two. But uh, obviously we know Brittany's relationship to her cat and probably to cats in general. So, uh, yeah, good good on them for pulling in this clutch player who comes in and saves the day with the cat diseases category. Have we seen, we've, have we at least seen Lauren Tubbington at this point? I can't remember. I feel like we saw a glimpse of him. I don't no? know if we have. I If we have, I haven't seen. Or, I or don't uh, maybe, she, maybe she's just referred to him at some point. Yeah, I don't know. But this is uh, this this like I said, this entire thing is not something that I guess either of us remember. And the fact that Mike says it like that, like we we have told you, you guys just weren't paying attention, makes me think that like maybe there was a line snuck in in one other episode, like referencing this, and maybe we all just missed it, or just you know they created this for this episode. Not sure. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some line there that we missed, and I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this is just regular old Ryan Murphy shoehorning plot points in there for the convenience of the plot. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, now they all feel pretty bad because members of their own damn Glee Club are also having trouble with another with another club, so... He redoes the already incorrect math and adds the amount of taffy that they're going to need to sell in order to cover the bus for the Brainiacs as well because the school does not want to pay for a bus for Artie and they don't want to have to, you know, they don't want to have to beg their parents for money because the school should take care of it. So the uh, amount of taffy has been amended and that's the uh, number one goal for this episode for the Glee Club. Yes. To raise the money. Yes, and, uh, you know, the competition (laughs) over during this the uh, the decathlon, whatever it's called, with uh, Sunshine popping up here is a fun way to get her back in. I think the original plan for Sunshine was to have her in the first episode and in the finale. So the fact that they were able to squeeze her in here uh, in this episode is, uh, uh, you know, nice surprise. Uh, this episode is filled with a lot of guest stars, a lot of people making their return to the show after, you know, being away for a while while the Glee Club, you know, got focused in on regionals and while we had some time spent at... Curtain, you know, with Curtain Blaine and the Warblers. Uh, so we haven't really had time for the JBIs and for uh, the bullies. You know, we miss them so much. And for Terry Schuster and I guess. Sandy Ryerson. Uh, so everybody making their return here in this episode, uh, that is one of the big things that was so much fun for me. So yeah, it starts with Sunshine. I guess Rod Remington will throw him in there. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. There are quite a few of uh, members of the Glee Pantheon, as, as you could say, Yeah, uh, that make appearance in this episode. Meanwhile, Sue is at her rope's end. You know, she's tried everything, right? Like she's tried shooting Brittany out of a of a cannon that failed she's lost her cheerios now she's tried to get back at will by becoming the coach of oral intensity that failed so she punches the governor's wife in the face and now she has nothing she has nothing else to do 
but round up a motley crew of horrible individuals who all have something against Will. So we get the coach of uh, Vocal Adrenaline. We get the return of Sandy Ryerson. And, of course, we are getting the return of Miss Terry DeMonico. Yes. <laughs> Almost introduced her. And Sue is going to give them code names because they are all now a part of the – is it the League or is it the Legion? That's I don't know. Did you say League first? I forget. They said both, and Terry couldn't even figure out what they were called by the end of it either. So uh, we didn't quite land on a name. <laughs> uh, in any case, their code names are Sergeant Handsome – Pink Dagger for Sandy Ryerson and Honey Badger because she's the most ferocious animal in the animal kingdom, uh, according to Sue, uh, yes. for for Terry. So which one and, are you? Uh, um, I feel like I'm probably a Pink Dagger. Okay. <laughs> Not because I'm like Sandy Ryerson in any like in any sense, but. I think that that's probably what I'd end up being. I'm not a ferocious person, so I'm not a honey badger, and I don't consider myself to be um, extremely gorgeous to go by Sergeant Handsome. I mean, I'm cute, but I'm like not Sergeant Handsome. <laughs> we'll hold auditions for uh, to find our honey badger over the next couple of guest spots that we have. Sure. <laughs> um, Sue's going to dub herself General Zod, and she's going to give them each individual assignments in order to tear away at this glee club. So she's going to want Sergeant Handsome to go after wait, what did she, well she doesn't give them the assignments quite yet but all we know is that they are going to be joining forces together and taking down the glee club and attacking will schuster and attacking the kids and legion of eagle legion of evil is a go <laughs> yeah we've got some fun character moments in here the line early on in this where sandy tries to hit on dustin goldsby and he uh dustin is like no i'm not gay and he's like no 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 no. i know that but i'm a predatory gay uh so this is what i do and i was like whoa uh we we're going there and then at the end of this where uh dustin's also you know trying to figure out why am i here which is a question that i had as soon as they, these three got together i mean i know that he's the rival glee club coach of the new directions but i was pretty much thinking the exact same thing that he says he's like i'm the coach of the winningest club in history what you know what what business do i have here and sue's like well you enjoy playing mind games with your competition so i figured you know you would be a good person to bring in but uh, i mean sue specifically knows what part of the mission she's using him for so makes sense that she you know found him and roped him into this Exactly. Um, I mean, they they all have something to be gained here, so I think that it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's all clever on Sue's part because you know Sue is just always like this. Yeah. Will and Holly are back at Will's apartment and they are having a pizza date. Will is talking about how he's missed her f- so much, and she said, "You know, look, Will, I told you about this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a great catch. I'm good in bed. I'm awesome, but I'm also unavailable. So you're always going to be left wanting if you're going to be in a relationship with me, and that's something you're going to have to accept." Uh, and Will's like, yeah, I know. You're, I guess you did tell me that. Um, but he goes on to talk about Glee Club because that's all that Will can talk about with other adults in his life is Glee Club. Um, and he asks her what she thinks about his taffy idea to raise money for um, for the kids. And she said, uh, no, which is exactly what the kids should have said. Uh, but they don't have the wherewithal to do so. Um, and she says, like, I mean, I feel like, you know, you've been with that crazy ex-wife of yours for so long and she's taken all of the zest out of you. She's, you know, beaten you down and you now you forget that you, you can't you can dream big. And I feel like you need to do something a little bit more grand. And so she suggests a benefit where she's going to get a bunch of people to come and to perform and the kids can perform and they can uh, call it a night of neglect um, where they are all going to be performing songs by neglected artists. So everyone will have to come in and pay tickets and donate and they can make some some money and also get a chance to rehearse some songs for nationals. 
Yeah, look at these two. They're uh, happy kicking it together. These two are uh, just, you know, not a natural duo uh, or natural natural couple that you would expect. Uh, Holly is somebody who has made it very clear that she doesn't really do relationships very often. She kind of just, you know, floats around here and there. And, you know, we're on one of the... Uh, we're going to find out later that they eventually ended up on five dates if they were all dates together. So this is, I don't know, one, two, three of the dates. Um, and yeah, they have a interesting dynamic between the two of them where Will is obviously infatuated with her and Holly is like into him. You know, she was making a comment about his butt a couple episodes ago. And, you know, obviously the sexual uh, chemistry is there. But at the end of the day, it feels like she's kind of like... Not as into him as he is into her, but at the, but I mean, they mm -hmm. both still care about the Glee Club a lot, so at least they have that to bond over, even if the rest of the spark isn't exactly there. And I honestly feel like this is a good idea uh, to host a benefit, because... I mean, how was it any different from what they did for Invitationals back in Season 1, where they started to, you know, enter the the Ohio Glee Club circuit? And I feel like, I feel like a lot of people in Ohio don't have a lot of, to do. <laughs> so... Right. For them to come on out uh, on a weeknight just to support some kids, I feel like that's something that's feasible. And I don't know if you'll raise five thousand bucks, but it'll at least put some kind of dent in the uh, in the funds. So <laughs> I thought it was a good idea. So I guess Dustin and Sandy are just hanging out at the school now. I guess Dustin doesn't have, doesn't have anything to do except teach vocal adrenaline, and they don't do anything until after school. Um, because he's here during school hours, and Sandy Ryerson is on uh, school property when he really should not be. So, once again, fire Figgins, fire security, fire fire everybody at this point. And so Sue is going to begin to enact her plans for them. She informs Dustin that Holly and Will are now official, and he wants or she wants him to break them up. And then she tells the Pink Dagger that she wants him to start a club. So she is knowingly, knowingly exposing these children to a known child molester. No, known child molester. To start a club at this school. To have direct contact to these children. Where is the administration? Where is the couth? This club is so iconic. Where is the though. morality? The club the, is iconic. The fact that we get these three in particular. I'm very glad Karofsky doesn't have to be here for this. It's uh, only, you know, Azimio for the football representation. Uh, we get Becky Jackson, Jacob Ben Israel, and Azimio, who thought he was just here to get some homework help, so he feels a little tricked. Becky's really confused as to why she's here. Uh, and the, you know, the job here for Sandy is to teach these kids how to be expert hecklers, because the night of neglect has been, you know, cemented this is actually happening now sue knows about it and she needs these guys to go in there and ruin it yeah i mean and i think these are the perfect types of people to go for it i mean azimio already does that pretty much on a daily basis and jbi i mean he does it by writing in his video blogs and becky is just a savage anyway she's coming in i think this is one of the first episodes where we get to see becky actually coming into her her savagery so perfect roster perfect casting uh for this club on sue's part um, so we'll see where, where that goes. We're, we're going to catch up with the Glee kids in the hallway. They're all talking about what they're going to perform for the Night of Neglect. Tina is thinking about doing Leaky Lee. And uh, Mike is considering himself to be an, a neglected artist. So he wants to just get up and perform some dance moves. And Mercedes talks about how the Glee Club doesn't really do any Aretha Franklin at all. So she might not be a neglected artist um, in terms of pop culture. But in terms of the New Directions, they've never done a number for her. So... Except for R.A.S.P.T. 
respect. <laughs> I cannot spell today, uh, which is what she auditioned with. Um, and then, of course, Rachel is going to be like, you know what? I also am an eclectic artist, and therefore I'm going to be singing Celine Dion, and I'm also going to be closing the show because I'm tired of being put up in the background, even though you just sang two solos at regionals. But nonetheless, she feels neglected. She feels underappreciated. So she wants the closing spot. But you know who else wants the closing spot? Miss Mercedes Jones. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, they, uh, they, these two have been somewhat at odds for their entire lives together here in this Glee Club. And, you know, not going to change now, not going to change anytime soon in the future. There's always going to be that rivalry when there's not a million, you know, solo spots, closing spots to go around. Uh, you can only get them at so many opportunities. So when a moment like this comes up, obviously they both want them. But at the end of the day, only one person can really have them. So we'll have to keep an eye out to see how this ends up going in this episode. It's, uh, you know, you, you want to be rooting for Mercedes because Rachel gets it all the time. But it always feels like, you know, Mercedes is not going to get her way. It's just like she has such a warped sense of reality. Like you literally just got two solos. You literally opened up your performance at regionals and you're talking about being neglected. It's just like, you're, you're, it, you know what? No, never mind. It's not even worth the rant. Finn is going to come up to them and say, do you guys remember Sunshine, Sunshine Corazon? Apparently, she's back. Not only is she competing against the Brainiacs, but she also wants to come back to McKinley and help out the New Directions because she also knows what it feels like to be a neglected artist. I feel like this is not what Holly had in mind, but I digress. Um, uh, she knows what it feels like to be neglected. She knows what it feels like to be sort of be alone. She's such more she's so much more talented than everybody else she's all alone at the top and all she wants to do is help out the new directions because she has nothing against them and she really really just wants to help them out she has 600 twitter followers and she can get every single one of them to come to this show and that is power that's power right there because i don't think i could get even 100 people (laughs) of my twitter following to show up anywhere so good for her have you ever tried uh no i haven't i guess that's a fair question but i something tells me that i i don't know something tells me that you'd be able to get more than a hundred probably a lot more than a hundred depends you know it always depends on how much time in advance you mean to tell me if i asked people to show up somewhere from all over the country to just come up to some to some random spot just to see me do something that's exactly i don't know if i have that level of influence i feel like people are lazy it depends. Yes. I mean, obviously, uh, the Twitter following on your Twitter page is probably spread out all over the globe uh, in, in some ways. And Sunshine's maybe, I guess, is she's trying to say that these 600 people are people who know her from just, you know, her area, which I don't I don't know. Uh, she she, you know, 600 powerful Twitter followers. Uh, I wonder, was 600 like a big deal back in the day? I guess so. I mean, with this is 2011. Twitter really came to prominence in like 2009, 2010. So. I mean, for a high schooler, I guess that's a little, you know, it's a little something-something. I remember back uh, during high school tracking, you know, the celebrity that had the most Twitter followers, and it was for the I longest know. time, it was Gaga. Uh, and then eventually it got taken over by Bieber, and then eventually it got taken over by Katy Perry, and, uh, you know, from there, I kind of lost track after that, but that I was a rough day. St- I think they might still be up there. Uh, I don't think Gaga's still up in that conversation. I'll, I'll Google it. So yeah, uh, she just wants to help them out. Rachel, of course, is not about it. She's like this. She's only here to spy on us. She's literally a part of Vocal Adrenaline. Like we cannot trust her. 
But the rest of the kids are like, they, I mean, while they might have a few reservations, they're just like, look, if she can really bring in all these people and help us get to nationals, like, it's worth it. Like, even, like, then we can just change the set list. Like, we don't have to necessarily perform any of the songs that we're going to perform at nationals, even though they didn't even do that anyway. Like, they can't really spy if they're not performing what they're going to perform. So, I mean, it's all about the money for them. They just got to get, you know, the support any way that they can. And so all the Glee kids shoot her down. Even Puck makes the point, like, you sent her to a fucking crack house. You owe her. Yeah. So they shut her up. Sunshine goes on to audition for the Night of Neglect just to show them what she can do, even though we all know what she can do. And she also has Celine Dion in mind and decides to sing All By Myself and completely knocks it out of the park because it's Sunshine Corazon. Yes. Uh, let's go to this Twitter followers list I got here. It's from May 19th, so pretty recent. Uh, number one all-time most followed is Barack Obama. So Figures. he yep. somehow slipped to the top. Uh, good good on him. I, I really thought it would just be a pop star for the rest of time, but very happy with it being Obama. Uh, followed by Bieber, followed by Katy Perry, followed by Rihanna, followed by Taylor Swift at number five, Cristiano Ronaldo at number six, uh, Gaga is actually still up there at number seven. She's See? taken a bit of a fall. Ellen at number eight. The orange dude in the White House at number nine. Oh, uh, fuck him. Ariana Grande behind him at number ten. What the hell? How is she That's... only at number ten? Her, I think her Twitter, fo- her Instagram following must be. The, yeah, like, she's more of like an Instagram girl than she is. I mean, well, she's actually Ariana's she's pretty both. active on Twitter. But, you know, I feel like her fan base is younger and her younger, the younger people don't fuck with Twitter the way that we do. They, right. they, they're more Instagram um, than Twitter. And I had a thought the other day. I was just scrolling through Instagram tangent here uh, where I was thinking I was like, I wonder who the person is that the most people that I follow also follow like the most the person that we are, you know, the most of us all collectively follow. And I believe it has to be Ariana Grande. I could not think of anybody better. And when I went to her page out of like the seven eight hundred people that i follow 200 people that i follow also follow her which is uh you know what the rest of the 600 people doing i don't know but i think that's the answer i very rarely follow celebrities because i just feel like there's no need to because their stuff is always going to be everywhere so i do not believe that i am one of those uh people that follows her wow 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 there's just no there's just no point there's no point because her stuff is going to get retweeted i don't even follow gaga and i love gaga i don't follow anybody i don't follow beyonce i don't follow anybody i just what's the point point? to follow them and support them and boost their numbers over the orange guy yeah no that's not a good enough reason for me (laughs) oh whatever uh so yes sunshine all by myself and rachel is the only one not having a good time here sunshine is killing it up on the stage and you know everybody enjoys the number which is surprising to me but not because they enjoyed it because the fact that they're all so in on sunshine after this they all come running to rachel they're like we need her we need her to perform we need her 600 twitter followers to come and pay for the benefits so i mean at the end of the day, 600 people filling an auditorium sounds like a good idea. So if Sunshine actually can promise them that, I get it. But I just have a hard time believing that all 600 people would show up. As you mentioned, you know, it sounds a little unrealistic at the end of the day. And Rachel is eventually going to come around on the idea. She's like, all right, fine, Mercedes, if you're fine with being bumped to like the middle spot, which is decidedly less glamorous, then then I guess we can do it. I'm like, what the hell, Rachel? Like, who are you to bump Mercedes? And Mercedes just goes along with it. She's like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I don't understand why Rachel is in charge of the set list. I really feel like Mr. Shu should have been in charge of who goes, 
you know, in what order, but I feel like he probably still would have given it to Rachel anyway because that's how things usually roll around here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mercedes does agree with it reluctantly at first, but, I mean, because she's Mercedes and she is all about the good of the team, she's like, you know what, you know what, fine. To which Lauren's Icy is going to be like, uh, bitch, no. So she's going to actually have a conversation with Mercedes in the library. She's going to ask for her shoes, and Mercedes is going to be like, is, you know how hard it is to find these kind of shoes? And Lauren is like, you know what? Like, I thought you would have just given them to me because you let Rachel Berry just get whatever she wants. You're always talking about R-E-S-P-E-C-T, but you can't just ha- you can't just ask for it. You have to demand it. You are such a talented singer. Why is it that Rachel Berry is always getting whatever she wants? Why don't you speak up for yourself more? And, you know, she goes down the list of, like, uh, you know, Aretha, Mariah. I'm not sure I would have included J-Lo in that list, but that's fine. Um, and, you know, it says, like, they really, they are all divas, and they know that they can get what they want because people respect them. Like, Mariah will show up hours late to a concert or to some, to whatever, and they will wait for her because she is a diva and they will respect her. And if you want respect, you have to demand it. And as your new manager, I'm going to help you get exactly what you asked for. And Mercedes is like, wait a second, manager? Since when are you my manager? And she's like, since you decided to give 10% of whatever we ask for. So I like this. I'm all about this. I am so glad that uh, Zyces is like, because we talked about before how she is sort of like the uh, the point of view of the audience in a lot of ways. And I like the fact that she is like, you know what? No, fuck this. Like, Rachel is always getting whatever she wants. Why? Why? Like, you're so good, Mercedes. And you don't even need to, you don't even need me to tell you that. You know that you are. So why is it that you are always okay with stepping aside? Name a more iconic duo than Lauren Zeises and Mercedes Jones. I'll wait. Well, like, we'll be here for hours waiting uh, for a single person to come up with a better answer. Uh, there is none. There is no better answer. Um, maybe Brittany and Lord Tubbington. Uh, I'll give you that one. But <laughs> these two are just, you know, they have not had any screen time together. And I'm just so happy for any more Lauren content. Like, I feel like we're getting toward, you know, we're getting towards the end of season two. So anytime that there's Lauren stuff happening here, I'm like, yes, give me all of it right now. Like, I want as much of it as possible before it's going to be gone. So love to see her and love to see see her with Mercedes. This is such a fun duo that makes this episode for me. I mean, there's a lot of fun things in this episode, but like number one storyline with a bullet is uh, Lauren and Mercedes. It's, it's beautiful. I honestly feel like, I mean, and of course Lauren is the one to do this because I feel like none of the other kids, I mean, she's like, she's sort of like, still like an outsider. You know what I mean? Like all the other Glee kids are just like in the system, you know, ready to just, go with the flow but lauren is someone that compl- consistently goes against the grain and it's not even that it's like coming from an energy of like fuck rachel it's more like team mercedes it's like i just watched you give away something that you obviously really wanted you said that you wanted to get, you wanted this and you're giving it away and i don't want you to do that to yourself so i am all for this duo and i can't wait to see what they do next a wise um, a wise lauren zeiss once said glee club is stupid so <laughs> As uh, she is going to probably hold true to that mantra going forward. Uh, Glee Club is stupid. Probably Rachel Berry is stupid along with that. And you know what, Mercedes? Let's do this. I'll help you get that confidence to go get what you want. Exactly. Meanwhile, uh, Emma is scrubbing the countertops with a toothbrush. Pretty typical. She went from being carefree, taking trips to Vegas over the weekend, singing about Afternoon Delight, to scrubbing 
the countertops with a motorized toothbrush. Will is going to find her and ask her what's wrong. Of course, she's going to say it's nothing. He's going to say, I know that OCD symptoms get worse whenever the person is under a lot of stress. And she just comes clean and says that Carl is gone. He's asked for an annulment, which she thinks is pretty reasonable since they never consummated the marriage. And she's now beginning to say, like, to, to contemplate, like, you know, at what age is it okay to look back on your life and think that you haven't really, you know, done anything and be regretful about that. And I really, really, really wanted to have some sort of handle on my OCD by now. Like, I'm 32. Like, I can't continue to live my life like this. I just got married and divorced in a matter of months because of this damn mental illness. Like, I really thought that I'd be over this by now. And it just really, really sucks. But Mr. Shu does one of the better methods in you know, when dealing with someone that has a mental illness and talking with them, you don't ever want to do the, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to this, that, and the third. You sort of just come down to their level. And so what he does is he takes out her gloves. He takes out her little cloths. He begins to scrub away at the grapes like she usually does and levels with her and tells her, like, look, I'm just going to be here for you. I'm no judgment. We're going to take this one step at a time and we'll just we'll take it from here. Yeah, the uh, it's it sucks to see Emma has gone, you know, spiraled back down to her old ways of like, you know, she was doing a really good job with Carl by her side. You know, we, we heard that he was really helpful to her in a lot of ways managing her OCD. And now that he's gone, you know, it's not just the guy that's gone. It's the help that she had along the way, having somebody there to assist her and, and bring her, you know, bring her a calming presence, I guess, uh, was something that was really valuable to her. But this is it is what it is. He's gone. So now she's kind of trying to not slip back into such a state that she was in beforehand. But yeah, Will's doing a good job here by showing her that, you know, he's th he's there for her. No judgment. You know, she, you, you can always count on me. So, you know, the spark is uh, obviously still here between these two. It hasn't gone anywhere, not even a chance. And uh, that's unfortunate for the person watching outside the window. You know, Holly Holiday is uh, you know very much going to notice the two of them. Having this moment, it seems like uh, we're going to find out later that Holly and Will had a lunch date planned. They were supposed to meet up together, but I guess Holly saw this happening and she decided that she was just going to keep on walking and go somewhere else for lunch because it seemed like they were having a moment. And Holly knows. Uh, Holly found, you know, she had that therapy session with Carl and Emma in the last episode or last time she was on. And she learned from that that Emma still had feelings for Will. And she's smart. She knows that Will still has feelings for Emma deep down. So. So uh, Holly is, you know, this is the first small little sign that she is aware of what's going on or, you know, just in this episode. Yeah, it's it's troublesome because through that through that counseling session, like you said, she was able to, to, to glean that information. And then she decides to try a relationship with Will. And it's like, I feel like she always has an escape route, right? Like she had this plan. Like, I feel like she does have feelings for Will, but I feel like. In the end, if things get a little too boring for her or too stable for her, this was the easiest way to make the 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 cut as clean as possible and just be like, look, I'm you. Well, we'll talk about it at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> but yes, the point is, is that Holly has seen it and she is aware of what's going on between the two of them. Quinn and Finn are going to approach Rachel because as the heads of the uh, benefit, they are going to appoint Rachel as the head of talent relations because they are having a problem with one of the talent. <laughs> We'll say. 
Rachel is flattered that they would come to her, but she's also upset that they would kind of flaunt their relationship in her face, which Quinn is just going to glide right over because she's had this conversation with already. You guys talked about this last week. It's over. We're, we're together. We're not doing this again. But apparently, Mercedes is the one that has been giving them trouble. She has asked for a humidifier, which I think is, you know, reasonable. She has asked for M&Ms, but not all the M&Ms, just the green ones in a bowl. She's also asked for a puppy because she wants to be able to dry her hands on a fresh puppy. And in the event that she decides to take a shower, you might as well just go ahead and get an entire litter of fresh puppies. And all of these demands are being backed up by her new manager, Miss Lawrence Isis. And if they are not met, she will not be singing. And that's that on that curiosity period. Yeah. And Finn and Quinn are like, you know, obviously having a hard time meeting these demands. And they obviously this is why they come to Rachel. And Rachel's like, listen, stars make demands. That's, you know, they just want to feel respected and feel like they're being heard. Leave it to me. I'll take care of it. I got this. So Rachel knows what this is all about. Like Rachel has been there before. She's gotten her demands before. So, you know, for some reason, this is again, we're going to this is the whole dynamic between Mercedes and Rachel that uh, Rachel puts out these kinds of demands and seems to get them all the time. Now that Mercedes is doing this seemingly for the first time, putting out some ridiculous demands that literally you could hear this coming out of Rachel's mouth. Uh, now they're giving her a hard time about it or, you know, saying it's not totally easy to do possible, whatever the case is. So uh, Rachel is, you know, recognizing the situation here and she'll, she'll go take care of it. So Finn and Quinn, you guys can go back to making under, making out under the bleachers or, or whatever the you two do yep so rachel's gonna try and take a handle on this uh while uh, dustin goldsby is going to enact his plan and try and flirt it on up with uh holly holly just gets done uh subbing i guess for a history class where she's going over was it which who was it again some some historical i forget um i think it was one of the queens of england or one of the wives of one of the kings of england she looked like a star wars character she did didn't she i thought the same thing I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, he's flirting with her and basically trying to woo her with two things, his hairline and his sperm count. <laughs> yes, yes. You, uh, and I'm like, you, you know, assume that she wants to have kids. Like, not everybody wants kids. Like, your sperm count isn't doing anything for you, okay? Yeah, he's like, uh, I don't know how many years you have left for, uh, for, for making babies. And she's like, uh, what are you talking about? It's like, admit it. I'm handsome. I'm good looking. I'm easy on the eyes. And also gorgeous. Cheyenne Jackson is not all that good looking to be doing all that. I mean, he's not ugly. He's not ugly by any means, but like he is not that fresh to be doing all that. Mm mm. Mm mm. Okay. Nah, nah, nah. Like I just, <laughs> it's just. You're just mad that me. Jonathan Groff isn't here. I, oh, I'll always be mad that Jonathan Groff isn't here. That's a, that's a very apt. Um, Where is he? It's been a while. Observation. I don't know. It has been a while. It's been a while. He'll be back. He'll be back in a couple episodes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he also goes on to rag about Will Schuster and how he's not a real man because he has such baby hands. He said that he once witnessed Will trying to eat a Big Mac, but he couldn't do it. He had to eat it layer by layer. So which, Will's going to hear this. He's going to say, my hands might be small, but they're big enough to fucking knock your teeth out. And, uh, <laughs> Sergeant okay. Handsome. who is this guy? I know, right? Like, I'm like, get the hell out of here. Sergeant <laughs> Handsome is going to go ahead and leave and ask her to consider his offer. And... Uh, Will asks Holly what that was about. She just says, oh, he was just hitting on me. Wasn't that silly? And he is looking upset. She's going to ask what's wrong. He says, well, you, we were supposed to have a lunch date. You didn't show. Now you're getting hit, hit on by like our, our my arch nemesis. Like, what the hell's going on? 
And, you know, she says, like you said, Matt, like, well, I did come to lunch, but you were scrubbing grapes. So <laughs> I just went ahead and let you do what you need to do. Um, so which, of course, Will can't really respond because he was scrubbing grapes. <laughs> so they're yeah, he's about like, to how fight. About, he's like, how about instead of an argument, we just rehearse our duet. And this guy, I mean, the reason they make fun of him in these moments is because every single time let's just sing about it let's just sing about it let's not fight let's not argue let's sing about it yeah let's bury our feelings and our real conflicts with with music like that's the that's the cure all it's the the panacea yeah if you and will. for the first time she doesn't say i thought you'd never ask she says no she, <laughs> she does say no <laughs> and he goes in for the kiss and she's like yeah no 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 so things are uh, trouble in paradise i guess Yes. Um, they are uh, not too happy with each other right now, but he kisses her on the cheek and he lets her know that he'll see her at the benefit. So uh, I think this is the first time that we like really see Holly upset, like really upset. Like we saw her cry after being freaked out by Sue when uh, Mercedes shoved those tots up <laughs> her tailpipe. But this is the first time that we get like some real like, oh, shit, like. Holly has feelings. Holly isn't just a Rolling Stone. Holly isn't just like a caricature of a of someone who can't be tamed. Like she is actually showing some real emotion here. So perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we live for the character development, even though this is uh, Holly's last episode, I think, of the season. So yeah, right. So it's time. It's showtime. It is the night of the night of neglect. And who should be coming to support the new directions? But one Blaine Anderson and Kurt Hummel. They are walking the halls and. Curtis, you know, telling him, you know, about his times here at McKinley as if he wasn't just here like three months ago. Like it hasn't been a lifetime, Kurt. Like <laughs> get over yourself. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really cool. Mercedes, or excuse me, uh, Brittany and Artie are going to say like, thanks for coming to support us. It's really, really cool that you guys are, are still here considering that we beat you. Because <laughs> the Warblers, listen, they had money to go to nationals. They didn't need to do any of this shit. So the fact that they lost um, and the team that beat them can't even afford to continue and they're coming to support them. I think that's really, really cool. But of course, I mean, it's Kurt. Like, if Kurt's not that guy, of course he's going to come and support them. Yeah. Um, and, and more seeds being planted here from Blaine. He's like, oh, you you miss your friends, don't you? And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Kurt has been. He We saw in the regionals episode him getting up and cheering for his old buds at uh, during their performance. And now again here, he's just looking pretty emotional seeing his old friends. And Blaine is recognizing that pretty easily. So, you know, maybe Kurt eventually will want to come back. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But then here comes fucking closeted-ass Karovsky. Because for whatever reason, he pumps iron in the gym at, like, what, 8 o'clock at night? Why does he call Blaine Butt Boy? Because he does butt stuff. I mean, yeah, but that's a dumb nickname. It's Karovsky. <laughs> that's a dumb nickname. Is that a, like, if if that's, like, a common name that gays get called, I mean, I could not tell. I, I don't, I've never heard it in my life, Butt Boy. It's Karofsky. I mean, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's Karofsky and it's network television, so they can't really go all out because there are some colorful things that you could call a lot of gay people, but uh, not all of them are good for <laughs> yeah. a well, TV 14 rating on network television. Luckily, he's not going to get the last word here because uh, this this ends up turning into like a big fight between... Not, not a I fight, love that like Blaine was argument. ready to... No, I love this. I love that Blaine was ready because like Blaine was like, look, I, let's knock this shit off. Like... You can sit here and try and have this little charade, but, like, we don't have to pretend that we don't know what's really going on. And, you know, Karofsky comes up all menacing to him. But Blaine's, like, back the fuck up and actually pushes him. Like, Blaine is about that life. He will fight. 
I like yeah. this shit. We're going to learn, soft spoiler alert, we're going to learn later on in the series that Blaine has taken up boxing. So he knows what the hell he's doing. And so the fact that he is ready to get down and dirty with Karofsky, major props. Because, you know, in the, like, because he, he tried, he tried in the beginning to, like, to, to lead with compassion and to lead with hashtag courage. But when that shit didn't work, and then he's threatening Kurt's life to the point that Kurt has to come over to Dalton Academy, it's to the point where it's like, words aren't enough. And now you're back at school after being expelled. Like, let's fight. Let's just, like, let's fight. Let's fight. I'm yeah, fight. he's 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 ready to like come out here and out Karofsky. Not not exactly, but he's like enough of this. Like we know the truth. Let's get to the truth because uh, this is enough of you pushing us around just because you can't you know face yourself. Uh, and then Santana, Santana's going to come up here and join the conversation. And she's like, the truth about what? And he's like, it's none of your business, J-Lo. Like, okay. Uh, she's like, first of all, anything you do became my business when you decided to toss that slushy up in my grill. And then he starts getting ready to fight them. He's like, I can take a couple of queers and a girl. She's like, okay, so here's here's what's going to go down. You have two choices. You stay here and I crack one of your nuts, right or left, that's your choice. Or you walk away and live to be a douchebag another day. Also, I have razor blades hidden in my hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tons of them. Just, just all up in here. Mm-hmm. So... Karofsky walks away. Which I I do not doubt her. I don't think that was an empty threat. I think there are literally laser, razor blades up in her hair. Razor blades and laser blades. I, I think they're both yeah. in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she, I mean, name a more iconic trio. <laughs> yeah, And then uh, Kurt Blaine and uh, Santana, uh, they, they're like, we could have handled that. And Santana says, well, it was much more fun doing it together. Yes. So after... Santana saves the day. She is pulled away to another issue because she just gets a Twitter update that none of Sunshine's followers are coming because neither is Sunshine. So they've lost pretty much their entire audience, their entire income in just one blink of a tweet. Puck has come back from the auditorium. He says, look, there's like six people in there. We should just blow this off and do something else. But Finn being the captain save-a-ho that he is, is like, you know what? No, let's screw that. Like the show has got to... Go all over the place or something, which we're going to get an adorable harken back to later on in the series. Um, and Quinn, you know, obviously uh, tries to translate and says, you know, you mean the show must go on. Come on, let's do this. These people paid to see us sing. Like, let's just put the show on. We're not going to let this stop us. Tina, you're up first. So Tina does what she says she was going to do and performs Leaky Lee. I forget what the name of the song is. The name of the song is uh, I Follow Rivers. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, we can't even get through an, one single Tina performance in this dance season. It's the season. first like Tina solo. She like, well, no, the, the first one was the one where she started breaking down crying over Mike Chang because how much she loved oh, yeah. him in, the, in Valentine's yeah. Day. And now we get another Tina solo and we can't get through it because the freaking hecklers are here doing their jobs. You got Becky out front <laughs> screaming at Tina, uh, Jacob and Israel, Azimio, all of them just just screaming the whole damn time that she's up there. Poor, poor Tina. She just is trying to sing. And they like she doesn't even care about her spot. She's not arguing about the spot in the show. She's opening it up or whatever the hell spot she's in. And uh, of course, she ends up coming backstage hysterically crying, saying this is the worst she's ever felt in her entire life so thanks becky this is so horrible but becky being like kiss my ass <laughs> I'm like, damn. but uh instead of you know going out there and dealing with the hecklers mr shoe says buck up bitches like <laughs> yeah easy for you to say will because you're not the one out there doing anything like where's your duet at how about you go out there and sing your duet with holly and then get booed and then come back and tell tina to buck up 
after being booed off stage by an adult, nonetheless. Like, yeah, Azimio, JBI, and Becky are one thing, but you got freaking Sandy Ryerson, who should not even be there, also participating in this shit. Like, that's what a, what a blow to your self-esteem, man. Yeah, it's uh, the Heckler's Club is a lot of fun, but I think I just hate when they do it to Tina. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, once again, the show must go on. The kids decide to come up with this idea of handing out taffy because I think that the thickness and the viscosity of the, ta- the taffy will keep the hecklers from being able to open their mouths. And it seems it does the trick because after Finn and Quinn hand out the taffy, to which, of course, Quinn takes the moment to campaign to the three people that can actually vote to vote for her for a uh, prom queen. Mike Chang is up next and the hecklers are actually silent. So he's going to go ahead and perform this uh, dance number to uh, Bubble Toes. Um, and it's actually pretty pretty good. I was entertained by this. Yeah, uh, it's nice to get a Mike Chang dance performance every once in a while. It's obviously the reason he was cast on the show in the first place. And it's not like mm-hmm. you have dance numbers in every single routine. In the last regionals, it was barely a dance number because it was, you know, Rachel doing the original songs. And they were moving around the stage. There was some choreography. But at the end of the day, like... Mike Chang was brought onto the show or Harry Shim Jr. was brought onto the show because of his great dance ability. So uh, if you if you can't get him in for a lot, at least throw him a performance like this every now and then. So love that he got a chance to do this. Exactly. It was great. <laughs> and so, of course, they got he got thundering applause from Kurt and Blaine. The other ones are choking on the taffy. Um, and. Who should be next? Uh, who's next, actually? Oh, Mercedes is next. Mercedes is next. And I, I think we missed a little bit earlier on uh, where she showed up at the uh, she showed up for, for the night and there was no humid. There was a humidifier. Uh, there was no puppy. And Rachel, they, the two of them were talking about how Rachel was trying to meet her demands, but uh, she couldn't get them all. But Puck was off looking for a puppy. So they were trying to get it all together. So uh, mm-hmm. as we see that the demands were not fully all met, Mercedes is uh, obviously pretty upset about that. Yes, she never got her puppy, so uh, she feels like she's being disrespected. So Lauren's ice is going to let us know that Mercedes has left the building. No bother trying to find her. Uh, Holly's like, okay, you know what? You guys go look for Mercedes. I'll go deal with the hecklers, um, and we'll just try and wrap this up during the intermission and just go. You know, let's just try and let's just try and make our way through the show. Um, so Holly is going to go ahead and, r- and round up Azimio, Becky and JBI in the library and talk to them about the danger, the dangers and pitfalls of heckling and how it's actually not that great. And it might seem fun at first, you know, shouting out all of these rude comments and, you know, sometimes witty rude comments and funny rude comments. It might seem fun at first, but it's really not once you understand the effect that it begins to have on people. And because all of them are talking about how they have like these secret accounts online and how they, you know, they bash people all the time. And Holly levels with them. She says, you know what? I used to do the same thing to celebrities all the time. She references, who is it? Some Debbie Gibson, some shit. I don't even know. Some some random person. Uh, But she began to feel bad after sending her so many hate hate letters because when she the lady actually got back to her, she was like, look, I'm getting alopecia. My hair is falling out because of the stress of these hate letters. And then she felt horrible after that. You guys made Tina cry for an hour because of your heckling. Does that, does that really feel good? It's it up. does. <laughs> they 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 talk yeah they talk all about how their online personalities uh, are, are giving them a great outlet to be mean to people without having to face repercussions for it. I'm like, oh, this is two thousand and 
10, 11 that we're doing this and we're here in 2020 and it's only gotten worse. I'm like, oh, that's not it's a great. It's so bad. That's not fun to to recognize, but I mean, this it's conversation really hit home for me actually. It really Yeah, did. right? Like this this is probably something that like has existed since the time the internet began. Like not probably, it has. But it's so, you know, it's sucky to hear this conversation happening on Glee where it's like this could easily be happening on any show right now and not a single part of it has changed. Yeah, it's it's really disheartening. Um, but I mean, I guess there really is nothing that you can really do because people are going to be people. I'm just glad that I didn't really get into social media until around four years ago. I mean, I was always on Facebook and shit like that. But I mean, in terms of like Twitter and stuff like that, I didn't really get into it until like 2016 when I was already, you know, an adult, a young adult, but an adult and not, you know, as impressionable as a teenager. Because some of the stuff that people will say to you is just like horrid. Like, mean things, racist things, sexist things, misogynistic things, homophobic things, just horrific, rude, violent things. And if you're if you're a young kid, like, damn, like, that shit, uh, it just sucks. It yeah, just sucks. I mean, so, we saw Rachel Berry uh, early in this series getting those comments, uh, episode one or episode two uh, of the entire one. show. Yeah, reading the comments from uh, the Cheerios that they were writing negative things about her online. And I don't know if I remember if they were like anonymous comments or not. But hey, the Internet, not always great. Uh, sorry, to, sorry to break it to you guys. So it's very topical considering what's happening right now between the president and Twitter right now. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but but, but uh, at, the, yeah. at the end of this, Holly, they all end up leaving. She wants them to you know, turn the heckling into cheering. She's like, think about how great that would be. And they're like, no, we're just going to go. Uh, one of them is like, <laughs> if you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, I think you just don't say anything at all. So I'm just going to leave. Uh, yeah, and that of was course, JBI. <laughs> of course, JBI on the way out is going to hit on Holly uh, and, and make some kind of comment about how he'll be 18 soon. So uh, wait for me. He'll be 18 in three years. So I guess that means he's a soft, no, a freshman? Uh, well, he would be, yeah. Wait a so second. He can't be a, f- oh, well, then I guess, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. Unless he's an early birthday or a late birthday. I don't know. He must have been a freshman last season and whatever the hell that makes him now. So imagine if Glee kept going forever and ever, uh, like the last remaining person at the school <laughs> would be JBI from what we know, from who we know. I know. Oh, God. What a dark timeline that is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they all decided to leave, so that, you know, at least now it's just going to be freaking Sandy Ryerson by his lonesome in the heckling club. Rachel goes out to find Mercedes, who's sitting in her car in the rain in the parking lot, and Mercedes is just like, look, don't even bother trying to get me to come back in there. Like, I'm not, I'm just not happy right now, and I deserve deserve to feel the way that I feel. And Rachel decides to give her a little anecdote about uh, Aretha Franklin, which I felt was like a little bit I don't know. I just kind of felt annoyed by it. I'm annoyed by so much Rachel. God damn. Why am I standing her? When is it going to get good? Um, <laughs> I just felt like it was like, I mean, obviously she knows who Aretha is. She probably knows Aretha's story, right? Aretha's one of her idols. She sang Respect for the audition for the Glee Club. I mean, I understood what Rachel was trying to do, but I was just like, I felt, I felt like it was rather condescending. She lets her know about Aretha and how um, she went, before she even became big, she was dubbed as the Queen of Soul by some master of ceremonies at some talent competition that she was in when she was a little younger. She became the Queen of Soul. That's how she got her moniker. That's how she got her respect. That's how she got um, her diva status. And it wasn't because she came off the bat demanding so many outlandish 
outlandish things, it's because she was renowned and known for her craft, for her talent, for her voice, for her singing. And she refined it and she worked at it and she became Aretha Franklin. And Mercedes is like, yeah, that's all good and dandy. I just need to know why is it that I am just as good a singer as you, if not better, yet you are the bigger star. Why? Why? And Rachel's like, listen, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I don't mind that people don't like me. And Mercedes, cause Mercedes makes a point about how everyone does like me. She's like, you get everything, but people, people like me and they don't even like you. And Rachel's like, well, yeah, that's the point. I would do anything to be in the spotlight. There's nothing that I wouldn't do. There's nobody I wouldn't burn along the way. You know, I would literally sell my best friend, sell my Finn Hudson, sell my two dads to get success. She doesn't say that. Uh, but I'm sure it's true. <laughs> and uh, that's, the, I mean, at the end of the day, that's pretty much the reason here. The fact that she does, you know, she, it's true. She pushes people around. She does anything necessary to get her way. And Mercedes is just not that person. She's just way too kind and nice and, you know, has all these friends in the Glee Club and she wants to treat them all with respect. She wants them all to get time in the spotlight. Unlike Rachel, who is easily just happy to push anybody around and, and you know, knock anyone over on her way to the top and on her way to all the solos. So, you know, they do give her what she wants all the time because she demands it. And Mercedes is not like that. So it's kind of like nice guys finish last, you know, same. It's this, the very old saying. And Mercedes is the nice one here where she seems like she feel, or she feels like she always finishes last. And she really does just bullshit to me. It's all bullshit. Rachel gets what she wants because she's horrid because she's horrible. It's just like, it's because, it's not just because of Rachel, it's because the administration allows it. It's because Will Schuster sucks as a Glee Club director. That's why. It's nothing, because if anybody in the right mind would never give Rachel what she deserves, she sent Sunshine to a crack house. Okay? In any other, in any other school, her ass would be suspended, if not expelled. She could have gotten that girl killed all for what because she wanted to sing some damn celine dion that's why she's the star of the mckinley high glee club because will schuster doesn't know how to do his damn job and that's point the point blank period point blank period i just feel like mercedes i just i just feel like it's so easy for rachel to claim oh i would i would i don't i don't have a problem with not being liked when that's just not even the truth she does have a problem. She literally just cried about wanting to feel special, wanting to feel accepted, wanting to feel seen. She's cried like that's not that's just not true, Rachel. You you just get what you want because you go after people that you know will give you what you want. That's why. I think I think it's just that she's way more concerned with getting what she wants, and she wants she wants both. Like that's the problem that she wants both and. She wants, at the end of the day, to have the success and the, you know, the solos more than she ever cares about all the rest of it. But that's why, like, in the last episode, when she gets awarded the MVP and everybody is thanking her or just praising her for her performance and she feels like she finally has both, she's like, this is such a rare moment for me. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't seem like that's something that bothers her as much because she would much rather, like I said, what she, that she gets what she truly wants. And Mercedes doesn't really get what she wants because she doesn't have that uh, same, you know, tenacity that Rachel has. So uh, I don't really take any issue with uh, what Rachel is saying here. I feel like that lines up pretty true. I, I get what you're saying. I just feel like she is, you know, this is, this is why she gets what she wants because she pushes people around and makes it so that people like Will Schuster are going to always give her what 
what she wants because he knows what happens otherwise. Uh, I know. I just, I mean, I just feel like this this conversation has so many more layers that it deserves and so much more nuance than it than is afforded. And I understand that it's a quick scene, and we actually do get this conversation through a different lens in season six. And I think that they handled it just a bit better in season six, but there's just so much that I have a problem with here because Rachel is just, it's, it's, it it goes beyond just wanting to be a star. It just, it goes into the territory of just complete and utter just dictatorship. And I just don't fuck with that energy, but we can move on. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, Sue is going to come and pluck Sandy Ryerson from the seats uh, right after Blaine is going to let... Blaine is just on one today. Like, he doesn't, he's just not fucking with anybody. He lets Sandy know that he's a horrible person. Sue comes to collect him. Will's like, I should have known that, she that you would have been behind something like this. And he's like, you can't prove it. But show must go on as per usual. Holly is up next, and she is going to perform Turning Tables. And once again, Gwyneth Paltrow, she's got a little bit of vocal chops. And I never really noticed it until I watched this season again so good for her um it's a very emotional performance she's obviously trying to clue will in on something here um and the both of them are staring at each other meaningfully and i think that will catches the message because he starts to cry during the performance i mean hey it's pretty obvious i I won't let you close (laughs) enough to hurt me uh so yeah message made loud and clear through a wonderful fantastic iconic, beautiful performance from Miss Holly Holiday here. It's just incredible. One of the best solos that this season has to offer. And yeah, that's that. She's just, she knocks this one out of the park. Oh, I cannot wait for us to do a Glee podcast on each character's best song. Oh, it's going to be so fun. But yes, uh, well, for me, it will be. I don't know about you. You're probably going to lose at least five years of your life. But mm-hmm. um. Yeah, very, very good performance. Very, very uh, powerful performance from Holly here. Meanwhile, Sue is going to be laying into Sandy about, like, how the hell is it that you allowed Becky Johnson, Azimio... Becky Johnson? Becky Jackson, (laughs) Azimio, (laughs) and and JBI all ride off into the sunset together and leave yourself as the sole heckler that's supposed to be in your care under your watchful eye, and they are all gone. How are we supposed to t- get them to wrap this show up? It was supposed to be over by now. They weren't even supposed to make it past intermission. Yet now Holly Holiday's out there crooning Adele to Will Schuster. So what the hell is going on? And Sandy's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I was just, I was, I was just not focused enough. I'm going to go back in there, and I'm going to really, really just heckle the shit out of these Glee Clubs, Glee Club kids, and I won't let you down. So he's back in there um and the glee kids are still sort of at odds because they don't know what to do now because holly's done performing and mercedes is still not back but wait mercedes is back and she has one more demand guys and that demand is to watch everybody sing or wait 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 everybody watch her sing (laughs) um at the end of uh mercedes and rachel's conversation Rachel or Mercedes just says, I really just really wanted a shot at having that last spot. And Mercedes or Rachel says to Mercedes, okay, well, if you want that last spot, then just go in there and take it from me. So I guess that was inspiring enough for Mercedes to come back in and perform her number by Miss Aretha Franklin. And what does she sing, Matt? Ain't no way. Oof. 
the fact that they were all freaking out because Mercedes wasn't back and they were like, we don't know what to do. We don't know. Like uh, I tried it, you know, Rachel's like, I tried, but I don't think it worked. And they're all, you know, panicking about how do we get her back as if there's not 13 or 12 other kids in there, 11 other kids in there that somebody could go out on stage instead. I know that they wanted Mercedes back, but like they're panicking as if like the show's going to end because Mercedes isn't, isn't there. Uh, I'm sure Rachel would love to go out there and get the next solo. But yes, uh, let's just be happy that Mercedes does come back here because she goes into Ain't No Way and she, of course, kills it. We have just four incredible numbers in this episode or I should say four should be incredible numbers because Tina doesn't get her chance to truly shine even though the song does get you know released so you can go listen to it if you want to but uh, we get these four amazing performances especially these two at the end here with Holly and Mercedes back to back just killing it Mercedes at the end of this is you know Everybody loved it, of course. And uh, at the end, she comes around on this and she's telling Rachel, she's like, all right, so you're up next. Go close the show. And Rachel's like, are you kidding me? I can't follow that. Nobody can follow that. That was the closing number. So a cute little touching moment from these two to end this uh, this part of the part of the episode. I mean, Mercedes. I mean, Amber Riley, man, like that is a talent. That is a fucking talent because it's not even it's not contrived. It's like she sings that song with every inch of her fucking soul. And I just. uh, That shit moves me. I mean, freaking Blaine is talking about Kurt moving him with Blackbird. No, bitch, this moves me. This moves mountains. She performed the hell out of that song. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she brings the house down, of course. And yeah, I guess the night of neglect is finally coming to a close. Will is going to find Holly in the hallway. She's coming out of the, what is it, the janitor's closet, speaking French. And he asks her why she was in there. He was like, well, that's the office that Figgins will give me as a sub. And she clues him in on the fact that she just got offered a position in Cleveland to speak to teach French. And it's going to be like for four months. And Will's like, don't you feel any kind of way about leaving and she's like look well like i told you this is like how i live like i i'm a rolling stone i i don't like to stick around too long in any place and you know how this is going to end and that's just how it is well says yeah I, i knew but it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt and she's like well you're just you're just too nice for me and plus i can't stick around knowing that you are in love with somebody else and that person is in love with you too. Yeah, it's it's over. It's done. We uh, we had some nice two episodes with with these two linked up. I don't know if there were Holly and Will stands at the time that were shipping them and wanting them together. What would they be called? Hollishu uh, Hall Hmm. Willaday? No. Shuladay. Shuladay. Willie, Willie, Shuliday, Willie, Wally, Wally, Hill, Wally, Wally, <laughs> probably Wally. All right, Wally, it is. Uh, sorry to the Wally stands. They uh, they do end particularly early here, or not early. I mean, surprised to get them for two episodes at all. So, yep, she is fully aware that Emma is in love with Will, and you know that's time to time to squash this. There's there's no point in keeping this going. She's going to go take this job in Cleveland, and the two of them can go, you know, try to continue their love story while she's gone. And uh, as she's going to head out here, she 
gets stopped by Will one more time, and he says, will you promise to just come back and visit? And she says, I thought you'd never ask. Yes. That last iconic line. I mean, she she comes back and says it, but not for a mm-hmm. while. So yeah. then she walks off into the darkness. <laughs> Yes, and uh, Will's going to end up going back to the Glee Kids, and you know he goes from somebody that he is so sad to lose and somebody that he had such big caring feelings for to seeing Sandy Ryerson. <laughs> He's like, what the hell are you doing here? Because this is the only teacher that seems to be concerned that uh, he's on school grounds. I'm like, Did you not see him heckling them out there like the whole time? But okay, well, Will is, or, uh, uh, the, the Pink Dagger actually has good news. He's, he comes in peace because he was so moved by uh, Mercedes's performance of Ain't No Way and also moved by the weed that he smoked afterwards that he has decided to fund for the Glee Club's trip to nationals in full because the arts are always going to have that effect on him and there's nothing that he can do. He cannot resist an Aretha Franklin number or a good-ass performance of a show tune. So the Glee Club's None of Neglect actually ends up being a full success all thanks to Sue, and she's going to say as much when she meets up with the Legion League of Doom of evil <laughs> and pretty much berate both uh, Dustin and Sandy. Sandy for funding the entire Glee Club Nationals trip in full and Dustin for not doing his due diligence and emotionally shattering Will by breaking up, uh, breaking the two of them up. Um, and he's like, well, they did break up. I just didn't think that they would be amicable. But anyway... Sue then is going to turn to her last available member, the Honey Badger, Miss Terry DeMonico. Your time that has is, come. Her time has come. And that is yes. where we leave this episode. Night Love a cliffhanger uh, with, with Terry. That's, uh, you know, means that there's more to come. Uh, but we still have a little bit more. We have the, uh, we get a clip of the... Uh, the uh, the brainiacs. We see the brainiacs that are off at their oh yes <laughs> final perform uh, their final competition. They have made it to Detroit. The funded trip from Sandy is uh, has is on, and we see them and they just throw a nice little shout out to their friends in the Glee Club. Like we love you guys. And then uh, they're, we're at the very end of the game, and there's a tiebreaker question to decide the winner, and the category is. Hermaphrodite uh, Nazi sympathizers. Oh, yes. Exactly what uh, Holly was teaching them in history before. Yes, yes Holly. So, showing dividends on that subbing. <laughs> perfect. Perfect little ending. Uh, this club is. Are we going to see this club again? I don't think so. <laughs> They're like, you guys don't even know that we exist. And it's like, yeah, you don't. Actually, you know what? I think we do actually see them again. I don't know if they're called the same thing, though. But I think we do definitely see Artie at least in this club again. Maybe we'll see. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's talk about our favorite songs from this episode. So we got "All by Myself" sang by Sunshine Corazon. I follow rivers, sang by almost sang by uh, Tina. <laughs> uh, we have a performance of "Bubble Toes," but it doesn't really count. But I just wanted to list it, just you know, for the posterity's sake, and to give Mike Chang a little a little shine. Then we got "Turning Tables," sang by Holly Holiday and Ain't No Way. Sang by Mercedes Jones. And I'm just going to come out and say that Ain't No Way is the number of this damn episode. Mercedes just, oh, man. I, like, actually cried a little bit listening to her sing this song. She just does it so well. The legacy of Aretha Franklin is living on in Amber Riley's 
soul in voice. I can, I can just, I can just hear it. I hear it. <laughs> Uh, yes, my song for this episode is uh, going to be Holly Holiday, actually. Uh, Turning Tables is my favorite of this episode. I love this one so much. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorite solos of the season, of the entire show. Uh, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow has been getting a bunch of songs in the show, but she comes in and smashes Turning Tables. So that's mine. Okay, some, uh, some old soul and some new soul. It's a nice little balance. <laughs> Um, slushy ratings. I was torn on this one because there were times when I was watching it where I was like, I could see myself giving this zero slushies. I was definitely considering it and I still am considering it. I, uh, it was either that or obviously the next closest thing, which would be a half a slushy. I definitely had a lot more fun with this episode than I expected to. I think I really enjoy seeing all of the characters. It felt like every character in the show was involved in this episode. Like, I don't know that anybody was not here. It was, you know, Sue, Emma, Holly, uh, Cheyenne Jackson comes in. We get all these uh, guest stars. I mean, I'm not happy to see Sandy, but it's fun to see like season one face is back here. Sunshine shows up, uh, you know, Azimio and Karofsky, It uh, again, don't like them, but it, it literally felt like we had everybody here. JBI, Rod Remington, Becky. So the full cast being there, it was a lot of fun for me. Um, and the songs were all good, but I feel like we're maybe just like missing one perfect song away i mean i know that you love ain't no way um and maybe that's what you feel like that song is but i i still feel like we're missing like one more like perfect song to make this a zero slushy episode so i uh find myself landing on a half slushy no i mean i agree i do think that it was a little bit uh lacking in the music department i think that the songs that we did get were absolute smashes with the exception of probably uh i what is it i i follow rivers yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the, there was just like a lot of powerful, this was the episode of ballads all by myself, freaking ain't no way, turning tables, just, you know, Celine Dion, Aretha Franklin and Adele, just a bunch of divas. So, you know, powerhouse songs, uh, but it does, it's lacking a bit in, uh, variety and it's also, I do think that, you know, quantity is just a bit, a bit shallow. So I can agree with that. I did like the fact that there were so many characters that made their reprisals here. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, and, of course, you know, getting a little bit of Terry is, is always good. Um, I, didn't even, I didn't even say Terry, but, of course, Terry, uh, Terry DeMonico being back here. Fantastic addition. I think... I don't know if I... Cause what did I give original song? Did I give uh, Half that? Slushy. I don't know if I enjoyed this as much as original song. I do, I think that the Holly holiday shit was so rushed, so shoehorned. Like, I feel like if Holly were actually in last week's episode, like she should have been, this whole breakup would have felt more meaningful and more substantial. And I just feel like it was just so rushed for the sake of plot. Um, when it really didn't even need to be rushed, because like I said, you could have had her there before. And it's also, what is it, episode, episode 17? You have mm -hmm. five episodes, like... There is a way to give this storyline a little bit more time and padding, and I just feel like that was like a big detractor for me. So I'm going to go ahead and say just one slushy for this episode. 
Fair enough. And yeah, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. It's I, I guess they were probably just, you know, the the end goal, of course, is to get Emma and Will back together. And it's like Holly and Will was really just a distraction along the way. And, uh, you know, they were able to get Dr. Carl out of the picture by saying that they broke up and then, you know, including Holly as part of why that happened because of her therapy session with them. So um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that they were genuinely trying to get more of Will and Holly, but I do wish that they did. Even even like you said, that one one extra episode would have helped. But right. They did not. And uh, the Golden Star. The Gold Star for this episode seems pretty obvious uh, for myself. I have not yet given Mercedes a Gold Star for this season. Happy to correct that here and get her on the board. Uh, Mercedes is the star of this episode. Uh, I want to, you know, uh, the the original podcast that we got this idea from, uh, Sam and Maggie Hate Glee, for splitting the Gold Star. Uh, I'm sorry, for doing Gold Stars. Uh, they split the Gold Stars uh, so every once in a while where they would give, you know, half of their star to one person, half to the other. And we never went with that. And I, you know, I'm not going to change that now. If I could have, I would have given half to Mercedes, half to Lauren for Lauren's assistance on this mission of getting Mercedes to, you know, stand up for herself. But, you know, I'm just going to give all the credit to Mercedes and let, you know, let her shine. She got this big performance at the end and she, you know, got something that she has been wanting for a while. She kills it on that number. And, you know, she wasn't, I, I gave Holly my favorite song. Mercedes easily is my gold star. Yeah, I just got to go to Mercedes for me as well. I just, she really took charge. And it may have been in a dramatic way, but it's like, why does she have to resort to acting like a child to get what she wants? Because you guys have allowed Rachel to do the same thing and change the entire atmosphere of the club. And so if it's good for the goose, then it's good for the gander. And I think that the way, I also just think that the way that Mercedes did it was just so much more stylish. And I love the fact that she teamed up with Lauren. I just love, I just love this entire storyline. And I love the fact that she had this conversation with Rachel and was like, look, like I'm, I, I just want her to be like, I'm, a, I'm better than you are, Rachel. I am better. There is no reason for you to be the only one that gets, like, why did Santana get a solo before I did? Why? I and uh, I mean, this episode is called A Night of Neglect, which is about neglected artists getting a chance to, you know, let's shine some light on neglected artists. Uh, pretty, you know, pretty obvious that Mercedes is the neglected artist of this Glee Club where they just Sam don't and give Quinn. her enough focus. Sam and Quinn got solos before she did. Like, what kind of shit is that? Yeah. So they, you know, this this was a Mercedes episode from start to finish. Love, love, love the Mercedes Lauren dynamic. And just uh, sad we didn't get it for years to come, but again, whatever. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Mercedes. Two gold good. stars on Mercedes <laughs> sounds good to me. I, uh, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna pick the same person, love to have it be Mercedes. Good, good job, girl. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Choir Room. Thank you guys once again for joining us. We are almost done with season two but yes make sure that you reach out to us on twitter if you would have anything that you would like us to talk about at choir room pod you can reach out to us individually as well i'm adamant adwin matt's at matt Lagori. make sure that you are leaving us star ratings and reviews we know you got the time you ain't doing nothing else well some of y'all might some of y'all might have stuff to do but you know in the event that you have a little moment during your little quarantine schedule just you know Leave a little something-something in the uh, reviews. It really helps us out. And we'll read them aloud. Don't you want to be part of the, the podcast? You want to be part of the podcast. You do. You do. You do. So, uh, yeah. Anything else, Matt? Nope. That's it. Don't uh, don't let the review section on iTunes fall into the category of neglected yeah, don't categories. Neglect yeah. Don't neglect us. 
Don't let us, because I will put on a man in the black. I'm gonna be the most campy, astromatic ass man in the black. Okay? You know, you don't want to see it. All right. I guess if that's it, then we shall see you guys at nationals. <laughs>